The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Top five movies. Movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five. Top 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 five movies. Top five movies. Hey everybody, welcome to Top Five Movies. I'm John Burke. With me this week, our normal team is back. Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Michael Sanchez. I, I kind of resent being normal now. Oh crap! Um, I meant our oddball selection of panelists. Um, I <laughs> I am realizing now I did not do a good job of, of sound check before we started recording, but nonetheless, I'll fix it as we go. Uh, we'll do it live, as it's sometimes do I, said. Do I need to use my adult voice? Not that voice. That voice sounds like it belongs in the bedroom. Let's keep that to uh, other situations. Um, I meant my grown-up voice. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, that sounds like your grown-up voice. I like it. Um, <laughs> So, guys, before we get into our top five movies, which this week our topic is going to be the best movies from the 70s, um, this will probably be our last decade episode for a while because I think myself and Corey are probably not as versed in the other decades. Um, I, yep. I could probably hit five, but there are going to be like three Hitchcock films and then <laughs> the occasional Orson Welles or Billy Wilder movies. So, uh I got a lot of uh, catching up to do with the other decades, but um, that's how decadist. Oh, it's not not intention. I'm trying to uh, patch all of my ignorance from my youth. Um, exactly, it does help me see where there are like really bad gaps. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did you say did you say youth? I did not. What? I said youth. Youth. Okay. Don't make me slur on the podcast. It's enough as it is. So. <laughs> I watched four movies yesterday, guys. Dang! Um, two, one in the theater, two at home, and then one that was also at home, but I didn't really pick. It was my wife's choice on the end. But um, I watched two documentaries, um, as I am determined to become uh, more politically knowledgeable. And um, I've two these both of these documentaries I've been meaning to watch for a while. But Thirteenth from Ava DuVernay on Netflix and. Uh, I Am Not Your Negro, um, where Sam Jackson uh, uh-huh. narrates the writings of James Baldwin, I want to say. I'm hoping I'm not screwing that up now. Um, both are fantastic. Uh, one is on I Am Not Your Negro is on Prime, if you have Prime, and 13th is a Netflix original. Um, both excellent. Uh, very good perspective, especially if you are um, white, because we are often blind to the other world, or we think we're knowledgeable, but you know we're... We're not living the life, so we're not always aware of what's happening. And I think with the culture of our, our political climate right now, those are two documentaries everybody should watch. Um, even if you're strongly opposed, if you were one of those uh, marchers, um, you know, not on the right side of things, I hope I don't have to point out any fingers. But, you know, if that's one, maybe you should check these out. Open up your eyes a little bit. Maybe you're, maybe you're not as... Uh, clean cut as you think you are about what everything is so who knows um but then i watched uh ingrid goes west uh in the theater yesterday which is the new aubrey plaza film with um Corey's favorite actress elizabeth olsen and uh why is she in everything wyatt russell um she's actually pretty good in this although she's playing a character that i think you and i both would not generally like anyways but she's doing it very well um 
But Wyatt Russell, that's Kurt Russell's son. He was in 22 Jump Street and um, Table 19. He's been he's he's his career is up and coming. But I, the more I see him, the more I enjoy him on screen. He's just he's got a really great presence. Not quite like his dad, but definitely got talent. So, um, oh, and then the best part of Table of uh, Angry Goes West, in my opinion, well, while Aubrey Plaza was great, um, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Ice Cube's son, is in this movie. Oh, and he's playing um her landlord. He who this is they, she moves to L.A. or near L.A. He's a screenwriter who's a landlord. Like he has an apartment in his back y- yard that he's renting out, but he's obsessed with Batman, and that's he's working on a spec script for a new Batman movie. And his character is my favorite. Like I absolutely love him. One because he is obsessed with Batman, so it's very like kindred spirit for me. I'm just like, oh look, another Batman crazy person. But um, it, it's and because you're black. Of course. Um, yes, no. Uh, I wish. No, I don't know. Um, this has now gone into an awkward thing after I just discussed those two documentaries. Mike. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I really do like... Uh, I, was keep, I was keeping it timely. Well, I was worried going in because I watched the trailer before I went to the theater to see it, which I'm really surprised that our mall even has it. That is surprising, Because it's a very indie film, and um, the trailer, I was worried that uh, they had cast O'Shea to be a thug because there's some shots in the trailer that are definitely misleading to what actually happens in the movie. And he is not, he is cool dude. You know, he's, uh, it's, it's definitely of the time it was made. Um, like he's vaping like crazy throughout the movie, which is, I feel like vaping is not as popular now. People still do it, but you don't hear about it as much. Like it's kind of just become a part of the world rather than like, look, I vape, I vape, I vape. Like it was for a while there. Um, but it's about Instagram like celebrity and it's, it's, interesting it does kind of depict mental illness in a way that i don't know works with a comedy slash drama um because there are parts where you're like you feel like you're supposed to laugh but you'd be laughing at the mental illness and that seems not okay you know (laughs) so i found it uh good but you know kind of complicated because i'm like i don't think i should be laughing right now but i feel like that's what they want me to do like (laughs) (laughs) But, he must have been conflicted the whole film. I, partly, except for O'Shea Jackson's character. I, I found him just d- delightful. Um, well, and I, I was thinking that, you know, just for Corey's sake, I think Elizabeth Olsen's and everything just to spite her. Because oh. <laughs> they don't want my money. She heard an episode of the podcast. Well, don't worry, because Dane DeHaan's and everything, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be also and, avoiding those. And so. he's not making money. With no, uh, this was this weekend. What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this this weekend um, was one of the worst box office weekends in film history. What? Well, I, we talked about uh, it on Movie Club. There was like nothing came out this weekend. Yeah. And Leap was the animated film that was maybe the highlight of the weekend, and it still didn't do very well. So Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan's the only thing out. Well, there were see see point point made. Three movies came out. In fact, one of them was a Bruce Lee biopic called Birth of the Dragon. Um, that looks pretty bad. Uh, then Leap. Oh, is it? Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame, unfortunately, because I really would love a good Bruce Lee biopic. And it, you know, they did Dragon the Bruce Lee story that covered his whole mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. This movie just covers um, that the, fight. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And so, that, from what I've heard, it's not doing very well. Though Armal did get that one too. But next week, there's only one movie coming out wide, and I don't remember what it's called. It's Tulip something. Tulip Fever. That's what it's called. And that also oh. has Dane DeHaan in it. So, <laughs> God dang it! Why? So, uh, to spite you? He he seems to be the new Taylor Kitsch, right? Like he's his projects are just bombing really hard. 
So Mayday, Mayday, pull yeah. up. He might be done. He might be done. Um, one last. I guess thing. that's why he's catching it now. Unless um, I didn't ask. Uh, but not, but not really. No, <laughs> no not at all. Dude, uh, I think he's getting paid regardless. But I'm, I'm I gonna have don't to know. make a, a a little rascals instead of He Man Woman Haters Club. It'll be Dane DeHaan woman. <laughs> Dane DeHaan haters club. <laughs> um, uh, we can make buttons for that too. Do, <laughs> you can add Elizabeth Olsen's name on there you, or Zoe Deschanel if you want. Well, oh my God, I'm gonna have so many iPhones. Have you guys heard about the uh, the Joker um, standalone film that's in the works? <laughs> I, I don't saw want a to. snippet, and it's gonna be Jared Leto again, right? No, um, no there no. are. Well, here's the what? thing: DC is doing something uh, rightfully so different from Marvel. They're going to be doing some standalone films that are out of continuity, apparently, like one-offs. And mm. the one that I'm talking oh, about... Will they be Elseworlds? Because they could do a lot with Elseworlds. It stories. looks like that's what... They have not officially said that, but it, the big news was that um, there's a Joker movie um, in production produced by Martin Scorsese. Oh, yeah. Um, set in the 80s, and it will be a, like a like a crime boss movie essentially like goodfellas with joker Jack's back <laughs> yeah and oh um so that's an interesting thing they are doing a joker harley spin-off movie that is in the continuity um for sure now there is always a chance um there was a lot of rumors before batman vs superman because the robin suit is shown like and you know damaged by a joker that jared leto's joker oh, is not the original joker the yeah that he is maybe jason todd uh who instead of going the Red Hood route went the Joker route. And so this could be, this prequel Joker could exist in the universe and created the Joker of Jared Leto, which there's already fans speculating that and stuff. So uh, it's interesting. DC's tr- you know, trying to maybe find their own legs instead of copying Marvel, which I think is the best thing they can do. Um, stop trying to be that, something else. Mm-hmm. Well, and there are a lot. I mean, the Dark Knight Returns, The Dark Knight Returns 2, I mean, that those are Elseworlds, and mm-hmm. they kind of... Pulled from that? Already try, yeah, already. <clears throat> Why not actually go full on? There's a lot of Elseworlds stuff that, you know, are, is pretty amazing, and I don't know where Vertigo lies, you know, the the Vertigo imprint, since that's under DC. Yeah. Are you, are you sharpening your claws? You can hear that? Yep. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Oops. Um, Do we need to get you some catnip? I'm good. All right. So, okay. Um, unless you guys have anything else, we can jump into our top five. Oh, I Ready? wanted to share that, that I actually was close to you. I think I watched three movies yesterday. Oh, wow. What'd you watch? Um, I sadly to wake up with, and I gave it a go because I'm curious uh, about the anime Death Note, Netflix uh. live action. Mm-hmm. It's fair. Um, it's a lot to try to get into an hour and a half, give or take. But uh, as a an introduction, I, I don't think anyone that's a fan of the anime is going to really like it. And that's the general consensus, I believe. Ah. But um, it, it's gotten me started on the anime for what it's worth. Oh, interesting. Be respectful. Well, because Defoe yeah. is the, the voice of the, the villain, right? Or the... <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, it, right. Uh, uh, Ryuk. Yeah. Um, it, it, there's some shades of Violator and Spawn, you know. The oh, way the performance is a little bit. Not that he's bad. No, I I got into it, but by the end of it, I'm like, just seemed very rushed and contrived, and that could be because they're trying to get so much in into one. Um, and what else? I took another rewatch of Jawbreaker, which I haven't watched in a long time. 
You guys know Jawbreaker? Yeah, with um, yeah, with Rose McGowan. Yeah, and I can't. Yeah, Rose McGowan. Um, Marilyn oh, Manson. Why? Judy. Marilyn Manson. What's her? Uh, name? The one girl that um, oh, she was in. Is Violet? Uh, no, I'm thinking of the one that was in in Dexter. <clears throat> Julie Benz. Mm. Oh and, yeah. And, um, I always forget that that's her. Yeah. Well, she's so young looking. They're all. I mean, Rose McGowan looks still a lot. Of, I mean, they all look to me like they haven't aged to me. But, and then the other one that I kind of stumbled upon was called Closer to God, and I didn't realize what I was watching, and I don't want to spoil it. So that one's on Hulu. Okay. But it's called Closer to God. It's horror, and the the way it's described, it's the first human clone, and then it kind of goes from there. And then by the time you get oh you I I, I was a little slow on the uptake, and I realized what I was watching. Huh. It's 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 an it's an update. I'll, I'll give you this much: it's an updated of a, of a classic. Okay. And um, it, it's disturbing and dark, and it definitely. I, I'd like to watch it again to see what I missed. Interesting. Um, little homages to some seventies crazy baby, not crazy baby, but um, crazy anyway. monkey baby. Yeah. Yes. That sure. commercial, sure. guys. I just have to say this: that I don't have cable at my house at all. I have Netflix and access to some channels, thanks to a friend. A friend. Yes, um, but like staying in the hotel and having to watch cable, I thought I was going to shoot myself because, oh my God, why do they still have commercials? <laughs> like every two the, seconds. That's you're the already, business model. You're already paying for it. You're already paying not to watch these shows. You're not paying not the networks. You're just paying No, Comcast. you're paying the cable, com- yeah, to be <sighs> able to have the channels on the... I mean, if you want no commercials, go NPR, HBO, Showtime, and all the others. But mm-hmm. it's um, still the model. And if you didn't catch that, Mike, Corey was at Salt Lake City um, for the last several days. Uh, she got to go see Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode. Depeche. Depeche. I'm trying to see oh. how many different ways I can mispronounce it. Okay, I was going to chastise your Depeche pronunciation. Mode. Yeah. No, it's someone called it Depeche Mode to me once, and I was just it's like, in Sing Street. Mm. Sing Street. One of the kids calls it Depeche Mode, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Whew. And I had okay. sushi again, and I still am horrible with chopsticks. So uh-huh. there's that. Like, there's you know, a proper etiquette allows you to use your fingers with yes, those and but, just pop. Yeah, them. there was a picture of a dude eating sushi with a fork, and it it. Absolutely infuriating. No, that's wrong. Yeah. No, I still <laughs> use my chopsticks. I just was not very good at it. Yeah, I mean, you just can use, use your fingers. fingers, and that's still better than trying to use a fork. Like, I'm like, what do you. No forks with sushi. Chopsticks or fingers. That, that, that guy probably eats his Snickers with a knife and fork. Oh, no. <laughs> he ca- right. he shaves it off. All right. Yeah. Um, he eats right. one layer at a time. All right, guys. We're going to oh, start. We got we to we gotta do. Spoilers. Spoiler warning. Are we doing odds or replacing odds? Yeah, we will. I'm. Okay. Go ahead, Corey. Spoiler. Well, if you want to go to burkreviews.com and check out our top five list first before you listen, um, you can do so. If not, full steam ahead, but we will probably ruin some of these movies for you. And if you're new to the show, um, we've made our list in secret, and we are going to be revealing our top five movies from the 70s. Uh, to each other now, but Mike has a tendency to have seen movies that Corey and I have not, um, given the decade and the vast amount of movies that I love from this time period, but still have not seen um, many, many, many big movies from this time period. So I'm going to go with just one that I've seen one of Mike's movies, which I've been going pretty big lately. You beat Corey's bid, and I I bet. I'm going to go with two. All right. 
So, oh, everybody, everybody's betting low this week. Yes, well, because I always bet low, Mike. <laughs> I only had fifty movies uh, that I'm aware of for sure Dang. that I could pull from. So, um, <laughs> that's so much compared to how I feel. <laughs> uh, well, but I use Letterbox to keep track of everything, and I a few months ago I went through year by year, not even decade by decade, year by year, and clicked Dang. on every movie that I thought I'd seen. Um, so like that, when I went to put, make this list, I just pulled up seventies and sorted by what I've watched. So there's like, boom, you've seen this many movies, pick your five. I'm like, all right, well, but, oh, you missed your opportunity. You could have used your adult voice. Oh, pick your no. five. Just <laughs> song. instead of make your choice, it would have been pick your five. Well, this week, Mike's going to go. F- what did we say? Mike's going first. Is that what we decided? Yes. Uh, Corey yes. will go second and I will go last. And, um, Mike, why don't you get started? What's your number five, top five movie from the 70s? All right. Well, if I preface or and when I preface my choice by mentioning the name of George Lucas, Ooh. I am positive that most of you are going to assume I'm going to lean towards his 1977 juggernaut, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. And you would be incorrect in that assumption, which is, you know, it's always risky to so assume. It's either American uh, Graffiti or THX. I'm going to go American Graffiti. Uh, yes, in fact, I am headed further to the year of my birth with 1973's American Graffiti. Uh, 7.5 user slash IMDb score, 95% fresh rating on the tomato meter, uh, no meta score. Uh, having grown up watching I don't know how many hours of Happy Days, uh, one would have imagined that I would have been introduced to this much earlier than I was. Full disclosure, I really wasn't aware of Lucas' involvement in it either. I think it was prior to my really, you know, digging in and seeing production and seeing all that stuff. So I was a bit slow on the uptake with this film, but um, in a similar way that the way Linklater uh, did with Dazed and Confused for the last day of school in the 70s, uh, Lucas tackles the last night of cruising around town from recent high, high school graduates' viewpoints. And to be truthful, I think part of it's I felt a little bit robbed at not having that experience from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And it's likely that I took both American Graffiti and Dazed and Confused as films with which I can live vicariously through. Oh. And in 1980s Miami probably wouldn't have been the best you know, place to cruise around. I mean, we did, but just go to you know, video game, video places or just football game once in a while whatever but just not the way they did it not the way that it was done in american graffiti and dazed and confused so um i would figure lucas has gotten and rightly so highly criticized for his directorial work and the prequels um but i felt you know american graffiti graffiti showed he could given the right material you know actually direct uh, and maybe the other part of it is too is that it, it is somewhat based on his own teenage years so he was very well versed with you know the subject matter that he was directing and working with but that's my pick going to the 50s nostalgia from the 70s well that is a a pick that i've not seen it's on my list um but i've heard a lot actually that movie's been coming up lately a lot to me so I'm not sure. It must be time for me to finally dive into it because it keeps getting like pushed in my face. So um, why don't I check out? Gore, have you seen that one? I have not. I'm just here to disappoint you. 
Oh my God! <laughs> oh, what is? What's wrong? You know, I believe this is the time that Harrison Ford would go. What is wrong with you? That was before my pew 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 pew. <laughs> no. Well, uh, Corey, before we move on, because I, I I'm expecting us to have some overlap on our list. Um, I want to. Really? Uh, I'm expecting to convert. I, um, I think we have just one, maybe. Maybe. No, we would. I don't think so. Well, okay, Wait, but trying? just in case, if are we do have overlap. People? No, no, listen. If you do have, oh. <laughs> if we have overlap, I just go ahead and give your review when you hit yours, and the other person wait like we used to do the original way, rather than okay. the hold oh. off. Just because I, I don't know that it matters. I think it's probably better to just say it when it comes in order. Okay. So just a heads um, up. Okay, I um, kind of had a hard time with this list because I haven't seen a lot of movies from this time, and um, i am definitely got some on here I've already talked about, but I did try to pull a couple that I haven't talked about, and mostly because I've only seen them once, but I do want to see them again, and my number five is one of those. Um, it's 1978's Magic. Okay. Oh. I feel like Mike has seen this one. Um, yeah, we've talked about it before. Have we? Okay. Anthony Hopkins and the ventriloquist dummy. And- yeah. Um, I watched this one because of Anthony Hopkins. I don't even know how I came across it or what happened on that front, but, um, he plays Corky, a failed magician that decides to try ventriloquism, um, with his fragile mental health, uh, fats, his dummy takes on a personality of his own. Bam. And, um, I liked seeing him in a... I mean, I've seen, we've seen him in all kinds of roles. I mean, Silence of the Lambs, he is, you know, but I feel like this is so campy. Not that all of his movies are great. You know, I've definitely steered away from some of them. Um, but yeah, it's my number five. And I'm sorry, Mike, what were you going to say? Uh, I could see, I mean, I think at the time, now that we have more, have seen more, and it's funny because having because we were talking GameStop and game trades, and as we were doing that, as I was looking around, they were talking Annabelle creation, and um, it, our sensibilities are so different. We've seen a whole lot more, and but thinking in that time period, what audiences had not seen, I think the creep factor level was mm. up, probably higher at the time. I mean, think of, let's say, Poltergeist and the Clown and the original Poltergeist at that, mm-hmm. I mean... That that's terrorized many children, uh, one of one of which is my niece, <laughs> and I still torment her for it. But uh, I, I guess I could say, I mean, there are a lot from that time period that could be considered campy, or even let's say the mm-hmm. '80s. And we didn't even address this; we didn't even mention <laughs> the uh, Hooper's death and um, what the, the crazy part of that. And I'm diverging; I don't want to get too far off track. Is my current principal his first pick his top favorite of top is life force and there are such campy films that's an 80s one but at the time it's like whoa it it worked so and uh, i'm oh i'm not even saying anything bad about that i think that it's extremely creepy um Dead Silence has the ventriloquist dummies. There's a one of the episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, the show has that too. I think it's very creepy. And it's, even as a kid, when I like played with Barbies, I still like would cover my Barbie dolls or put them in the closet <laughs> just in case, <laughs> just in case. Well, I had a my buddy doll when Chucky came out. Just <laughs> so I'm sorry. 
I already now. had that doll, and that doll ended up in the closet. Yeah. I think the whole, like, inanimate objects, and then they kind of look like humans. I mean, you know, in the same way that we make aliens kind of resemble humans. Let's uh-huh. give them two eyes, mouth, two arms, two legs. Um, I just think it's it can be extremely creepy. Definitely. Definitely. I've not seen that one, but... Um... Now where, I've heard about it a couple your, times. Where is your my buddy at, at, anymore, though, sir? Oh, um, he, he he's, he's been sorry. on a killing spree across the country, but oh, um, no. no, I Do I want to play. <laughs> pretty sure I haven't had him since I was a kid. I don't remember what happened to him, to be honest. I really I wish you had kept better track of him since you just admitted that you know you kind of let him go off on a killing spree. Well, he, GPS wasn't a thing then, so I had to just you know. We parted ways. Oh, I see. You Pontius piloted it. You have washed your hands clean. You right. t- not. T- you had a responsibility, sir. <laughs> no. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. My number five uh, for this week's top five movies from the seventies. I went with Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind as my number five nice. movie. Um. We recently did an episode of Burke Reviews Movie Club for this. But I'd seen it before, and it's a movie that I absolutely love. And I think the more I see it, the more I find um, about it that I love, uh, especially Richard Dreyfus. I just think he's amazing in the movie, and it's um, a Spielberg masterpiece in my opinion. And it's interesting because they are releasing it um, uh, this week, I think. This coming Friday, it's going to be in theaters September again. First, I think. September 1st, which is Friday. Um and uh, it's supposed to have like a like fairly legit theatrical run, though. It's not a one night only type of thing. It's my understanding. It's actually going to be Whoa. in theaters for like. I think it's for a whole week. Yeah, I think it's one week. Um, so definitely one I'm going to try to get to. Um, and since it it's a not a special event, if you are a new member to Movie Pass, um, I think you'll be able to use it. Now a lot of the special event stuff you can't use your Movie Pass to, like Fathom events and things like that. But I'm pretty sure you can for, if it's listed as a regular just regular showings you should have no issues with it so um definitely one i'm looking to see in the theater um now our local theater get, gets along with that right they're not doing like the amc route where they're yes to no that. the movie pass works just fine there i used it yesterday in fact but um yeah no i actually wish i could i could get one and be like lilo dallas movie pass <laughs> <laughs> um, do. one of the things that i was really into with uh Close Encounters that I didn't know before. Um, the first time I watched it was Francis Truffaut, who uh, is mm. a director in his own right, is the Frenchman mm-hmm. in the movie, and I didn't realize that the first view. Oh, wow. Yeah, so exactly, right? He's this iconic director, did 400 Blows. That, uh, that, that's so cool. And then Spielberg cast him in the film, and um, I hadn't realized that in the first watch, but very much realized it the second time around, so I was uh, very excited to see that, and, um, you know, we have a whole episode dedicated to this uh, movie, so feel free to check that out. Um, as If you're a subscriber to Burke Reviews Podcast, you've already had the opportunity, but feel free, go back and listen to it. Um, it does have spoilers, so if you've never seen Close Encounters, head out to the theaters. If it's playing near you, um, definitely worth checking out. I just watched it a few weeks ago, and I definitely am going to see it again if it's in theaters uh, near me. So, Same. How many... I'm just curious, and I can look it up on my own, but you might know off the top of your head. How many Dreyfus Spielberg collaborations are there? Um, I don't know. If, uh, because I think they're pretty solid. Um, I would say Jaws, right? Yeah. 
Jaws, Close Encounters. I don't remember always, but that was still Steven Spielberg, wasn't it? Uh, I, I I didn't know that because Spielberg's got a, his IMDb is massive, and I don't know everything right. he's done. Um, I'd have to go okay. probably I'll have to, through I'll his. Have to dig that up. Oh, yeah, I'll have but to dig that up. there is a connection between your number five and mine though, because uh, he's in American Graffiti. Right. <gasps> he's oh, he's gonna be. A, we'll see if he's our theme. Uh, the through line. He might be. Um, I when I watched this for a movie club, it took me a minute to realize that that was Richard Dreyfuss because I feel like I've always seen him with like white hair and a mustache. You see old Richard Sorry. Dreyfuss? That guy. What? Old Richard Dreyfuss? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, no, I mean he's such a baby in that movie. He's like younger than me. Yeah. Oh, I'll Leah. Bet, I'll bet you if she comes to Florida and I have gray hair and gray beard, she won't know. You better color you it. No kidding. You were see. You're right about always. I my hair. Always <laughs> is a Steven Spielberg film. Boom with Audrey Hepburn, her last performance, Let's... I believe. Oh. John Goodman, I think. Hold on. I like him. Richard Dreyfuss or. Uh, John Goodman. Oh yeah. Well, he's she great. doesn't like Richard Dreyfuss because of the. I do. I just don't feel like I'm aware enough of his uh, filmography, obviously. Well, and yeah. I don't remember him in Stand By Me. No. Feel like you're being really judgmental right so, now. Me being really judgmental. <laughs> anyways, um, Close Encounters is a great movie. It's got some really great visuals. Uh, some of the, my favorite sequences um, involve like, the mountain and the spaceships too. Which yes. Are... And even before um, the kid, I forget his name, but the little boy at the beginning, all of his toys kind of like rolling towards him. Yeah. Well, and his abduction like... sequences is horrifying. Terrifying. And, <laughs> but awesome. It's so cool at the same time. Like visually, it's just, it's a really cool sequence. So um, if you well, haven't seen it. Be a... uh, oh, you... Wait, who hasn't seen it? I was just gonna say if you haven't seen it, like to the listeners, oh, okay. you should definitely, okay. definitely. Uh, I I'd say buy it um, outright on the, the Blu-ray editions of it are very good. Um, I definitely think it's it's worth just purchasing, especially I, if you like any of Spielberg's other movies. I'm curious how the transfer would be onto the Blu-ray because the effects, I think, hold up really well. And mm-hmm. do you know how they did that cloud scene? Yeah. I remember. I feel uh, like I you know read something. Um, I remember it had to do with tanks of water and basically they found a way to get the paint to react a certain way. And it now, you know, now knowing that and looking at it, it kind of makes sense, but it just worked so perfectly. It's like, how did they do, how did they even think of that Yeah, it's, at that time? It's so cool. Like the effects do hold up, I think, uh, expertly, even the, the spaceships and, um, even the aliens, which look like people in costumes, but they, they're really cool. And they, they do hit the, uh, the staple, like Corey said, of they look like people, but um, all right, that's my number five. Let's move to uh, Mike's number four from the 70s. All right, so I this is yet again another film I was late being introduced to, despite the fact that I had been introduced to the Monty Python's Flying Circus television show fairly early in my Anglophile-inclined television viewing, thanks to PBS. <laughs> um, but with that said, my number four pick is 1975's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Seen it. Yeah. Oh, you're up to your one. You've met your quota. You've never seen this? Well. I've seen like bits and pieces of it, guys, you know. Well, that is uh, interesting. That, um, that's, 
Yeah, in another you, dimension. You're trying oh. to push your picks on onto my picks. <laughs> That's how you're I trying do. to make it's... stop trying to make Richard Dreyfus happen. He's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, let's go to the stats. So Burke has already met his quota. Yep. Nice. We should keep track of when you do meet your quotas. Yes. Uh, we should make it... a chart and get gold stars. <laughs> I'm giving a gold star to me every week. Oh, 8.3 user score. I am. I've seen my picks. So. Uh, uh, 97% fresh on the tomatometer, 93 Metascore, so easily one of the highest scoring ones of my picks. I'll be honest, the first time I have a clear memory of this was as a freshman in college, completely green and so many things, and I was so glad that I was made to feel at home in the dorm being, you know, a fresh, a freshie, and really out of my element, a very young one. I was 17 as a freshman, so... I was way out of my element. Um, but it was an annual tradition to watch Monty, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which included a feast of rabbit, which very conveniently came in uh, <laughs> KFC buckets. It was actually KFC chicken. Uh, okay. Aluminum, armor, and weaponry, and, of course, coconuts, which I wasn't, I was, I, you know, you got to imagine not have, having, no, I didn't know what I was getting into. And I missed out on the boat on the, Rocky Horror Picture Show, going to the midnight shows and, and cosplaying and doing all that. I totally missed out on that. My friends got to do that, but I didn't. And so I didn't know about this at all, and I didn't know, you know. Uh, and maybe this is what got me on my my quest to end or, sh you know, reduce the chicken population by going <laughs> to KFC buffets and making the population of chicken cry. Uh, anyway, so my own children, you know, this film is basically – a holy grail in many ways, which I've yet to own, and my own children haven't watched it, but they are familiar and with uh, quite a few of the skits and musical numbers thanks to my iPod Classic having them on there. And sometimes they will request too much to the chagrin of my wife, and we put it on anyway, the different skits. Sometimes we just get in the mood for songs from MST3K and Monty Python <laughs> and the Holy Grail. Uh, it's even made it into Magic the Gathering lexicon. Uh, those of you that don't card flop like some of us do, the prodigal sorcerer long being given the nickname Tim. Uh, it's got taunting of knights, facing down an infamous black knight, killer bunnies, the nuances of figuring out whether someone is a witch or not, being tax tasked to find perfect shrubbery specimens, uh, the mass of a laden swallow, the proper use of coconuts. I mean, and honestly, the black this whole experience. Let's not yeah, forget I, the black I, I, knight. Facing, I, that was the second one I said. I know, but I, I have to, I have to say it because it makes me feel better that I know something. Oh, okay. Because this is a rare okay. time that I've seen one of your movies. So, um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, the whole experience can be highly educational. So, I, I think I feel like I need it. an explanation from Corey for this one because. Unlike some of Mike's other movies, this one is very much a pop cultural icon. Um, even though it's it's from the seventies, I ha I have students every year who swear by the Monty Python movies. Um, so what? Why did you uh, skip this one for so 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 long? I've seen parts of it, and sorry guys, I just wasn't <laughs> interested. Oh, oh, let me let me rock zone at her. Is it too long of a running time? Because I know you have a commitment. Uh, no, I didn't even realize not, it was long. It's not. It's only an hour I know, and a half. That's, that's the thing. It's like an hour and a half. Yep. That's my tongue and way of saying. So it's. There's no reason. Overall rejection of this fandom. 
Yeah, Bill likes it. I've seen parts. I had a friend. She's like uh, an apologist now. Well, my husband likes it. I had a friend. No, um, I mean, that's how I was like introduced to parts of it. And I'm just, I wasn't interested. I'm sorry. One of my friends in high school was a huge fan of Monty Python. And um, I think I borrowed his uh, back then. And then um, I ended up owning Life of Brian on accident, which I kind of like more. I think there are better bits. in. it, It is. Yeah, I, I mean, I enjoy Life of Brian. Yeah, but it's not usually the first on people's list. No, Holy Grail is definitely, I think, the iconic one for your your casual fan. Um, I like Life of Brian. I I just I think the story idea just grabbed me more because the the, it, the Holy yeah. Grail is so common of a theme um, where the idea who of like thinks of something like Life of Brian. Yeah, being this, yeah. That parallel of a guy being born at the same time, a block away from Jesus Christ, is a very funny premise at the very least. Um, it is it is very funny. So yeah, great pick, Mike. Um I did not include this one on my list, but it is it is a film <gasps> I need to revisit again. Um it's been a while since I've seen it, but I have seen many of the uh the clips since I saw it, my full screening of it. But, you know, I've... Your father smells of elderberries. <laughs> well, you know, and I have a uh, a lot of my t shirts are me- mashups and I have one with Luke Skywalker holding his severed ar- you know, the, his arm with the hand <laughs> severed and the black knight standing there. It is but a scratch. Um, Corey, we're on to your number four. What do you got? Okay. I think that we've talked about this one before on a podcast too, kind of in passing, but it is 1976's The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane. Ooh, that's the Jodie Foster one, right? Yeah. With um, Martin, Martin Sheen, Sheen, the creeper? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. I think that I came across this one just, uh, kind of casually wasting hours as I do sometimes, um on Netflix trying to find something to watch and I was kind of drawn in by the synopsis and that had uh, Jodie Foster in it um, but she plays 13 year old Rin who lives alone in a large house that's been rented um, for many years under her father's uh, name and um, we end up finding out that he was terminally ill and committed suicide he um, leaves her with Oh my gosh, is it cyanide? To um, so she ends up poisoning her mother. She kills her landlady. Holy cow! Um, yeah, she has to um, deal with the landlady's creepy son, um, a snooping cop. Oh goodness, what else? And then she befriends like a local neighbor boy who is also a uh, magician um, who helps save the day quite a few times for her. But I think it's an interesting movie, for lack of a better word. Um, I think it's interesting seeing her in this and in taxi taxi driver, driver. yeah, yeah um movie. very different movie. yeah <laughs> yeah but still like <laughs> these roles that she plays as a kid um nuts yeah definitely not something you would generally have i mean chloe grace moretz has been i think the closest like recently to be cast in such a granted hit girls nowhere near as severe as either of those two roles uh-huh. that we just described but uh-huh. still you know, for, for like a modern audience, a teenager dropping those curse words and kicking butt like she does and and kick ass was surprising. Um, and I think what made her performance so memorable, really, in in kick ass, was that it. You know, her age was she was genuinely that young. Um, but yeah, I've not I've not seen this. I don't recall you you talking about this in the past because I feel like I would have added this to my watch list the first time. Um, but I thought if, that Mike and I talked about it for a few minutes. I feel like we have. I, it's possible. I mean, we talk about a lot of movies. We've done 64 of these episodes. So, um, Wait, you don't have all ours memorized? 
I do not. Um, I am working on that, though. I, I constantly read the list. I am ready for the vocab test in two weeks. So, um, I'll make a Quizlet for it. Oh, snap. We oh, God. Go, we'll fail. Just, I'll fail at least. We're starting a teacher <laughs> podcast now, too. Um, <laughs> and now, I'm out. Yeah, I do. I want to get through her filmography a lot more, actually. Um, like her film Contact, I saw it in the theater when it came out, but I've not seen okay. it since. And okay. Yeah, yeah, calm down. I've seen I've seen most of her modern films, but she's uh she's an artist I want to explore a little bit more. Even I've seen Silence of the Lambs countless times, but it's been a good probably f- at least five years since I've watched it last. So I I really want to rewatch has ta- it. Has Taylor seen that? No. Um. And okay, because Abby refuses. Really, I think yeah, she refuses. T- she, Taylor didn't respond well to the violence in um Hitman's Bodyguard, um which. I should say she didn't. It's not that she responded poorly, but I don't think she's into the extreme violence kind of stuff, um, mm-hmm. which they maybe even the extreme violence not taken as a serious thing because Hitman's Bodyguard, you know, puts some extreme sequences mm. together that are set to comedy, right? So um, I don't think that worked for her. I think it was too big of a juxtaposition of of tone um, for her to like come to terms with. Where like I've had many, 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 many decades at this point. Uh, okay, three decades at this point to kind of come to terms with violence and it being kind of... I don't... I know where I stand with violence. I do not approve of violence in the real world, but in film, I'm completely content with it. Um, so, you know, for me, I still... I found it very funny, but I noticed she wasn't laughing. I was like, huh. So I'm not sure how she'll respond, to, but at the same time... But she is that stoic viewer, too, so... She is. Um, but we talked about it afterwards, and she definitely was kind of like... It was, it was a lot, but... Um, maybe because I've even tried the TV edit, which does tone down. I mean, the multiple megs part. I know we're getting off track, but it is Jody <laughs> Buster. Um, you know, because there are some very tough. I don't know. I don't know. But my daughter's refused. Yeah, I, I think my daughter would want to watch it. I don't know how she'll respond to it. I think she'll like it because she doesn't. That's the thing. She doesn't mind horror films because, again, the tone is there. You know, like it's the 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 violence, even like. I guess when I watch Friday the Thirteenth, I find it com- somewhat amusing because um, the kills are ridiculous. You know, they're over the top. They're meant to be, at, especially like Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Then the kills really become more about like, how are we gonna take out the campers this time? You know, um, what? No, what are you? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, let's we we do need to move on. Well, we're gonna get into my number four, which is another movie that Corey and I recently did on Burke Reviews Movie Club. And it immediately shot to one of my favorite movies, I think, of all time, and it is Chinatown from 1974, mm. um, starring Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway, um, John Huston, Perry Lopez, um, and that's the big names. Oh, and of course, Roman Polanski in his very small oh, yeah. scene, but yeah. directed by Roman Polanski, the very controversial and um, yet iconic filmmaker. Um, a private detective hired to expose an adulterer finds um, himself caught up in the web of deceit, uh, corruption, and murder. Has an 86 on Metacritic, 8.2 on IMDb. Um, I had been wanting to see this movie for a while. Um, when we finally got to it on Movie Club, I was completely into it. Uh, Corey had different fe- uh, feelings about it, but I, I like a cynical detective story. Um, I am finding that noir is a genre that really appeals to me and my sensibilities. Um, in Chinatown, man, Jack Nicholson's just so good in it. Uh, it's definitely... I think it's my favorite Jack Nicholson performance. Um, 
bar none. Like, I can't think of anything I like more. I mean, I like him as the Joker. At least I did. I don't know that it holds up. Um, and I love One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but, man, just Chinatown, he's just just so great. Um, the the performance and even the character that he's playing, I just really, uh, really fell into both. And um, it's literally, it's in my top 50 uh, now. It's it's a film that I absolutely love. I, I actually can't wait to rewatch it because I was so into it. Um, it's one that I'm probably going to end up teaching to my advanced kids this year. Um, oh, that's solid. Yeah, it's just... It's, good. And I know I'm going for kind of obvious movies here, but it's the best of the 70s, so I, I really went in for what I think is my favorite movies from this time period. So so what? Chinatown. And that's your number four? four. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, now I'm not wow, saying... Okay. These are my personal preferences, not necessarily that it's the best movie. I know that there are some people that would say this is one of the best movies ever made, period. But it's it's my favorites. It's definitely my number four. So, uh, anything to add, guys? Uh, I can't disagree. I mean, I, I, it's it's not on my list. I will tell you that. Mm. However, it is so good, and you know that's that's L.A. And you see, uh, I don't know. I mean, there had been other more films. I think maybe they hadn't looked at California. That I don't know. It's just, it sticks out. Have you seen the two Jakes? Because there's no way to compare them. It's still good. No. Uh, but not anywhere. I mean, and I still I need to watch you... L.A. Confidential from the 90s, um, which I have. Oh, you haven't watched it? No, but I okay. have it. I just haven't got to it yet. Um, it's it's then on I think my list. you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I'm I expecting to. enjoy it. Um, although I, my favorite noir film, which, oh, wait, that could be a top five list someday. So, um, You're going to save that for you. Save that. We'll, we'll wait until we get to that list. Corey's being quiet, which is making me wonder if this is the movie that's going to overlap on our list. But uh, no, okay. of course not. I, I did not so. enjoy this movie. That's what I think. And the end the just made me angry. It made me angry because it's the same thing going to happen to her daughter that happened to her. Yes, it. That's Maybe. the because that's all I could think. Well, guys, I don't even watch the news, and I get plenty of that junk in my life. You know what I mean? I just so, and it's <sighs> there. This movie and there was another movie we watched recently where it dawned on me. Corey needs a happy ending for her to like a movie. <laughs> like, I don't always need a happy ending, but I just like there's right, what's, absolutely what's no a, hope. It's absolutely an unhappy ending movie that you like just out of curiosity. I love, and I was thinking about that. I love horror movies, so it's just that parallel to too much but real see, life. I most, guess most horror movies do end with at least one character surviving, having a happy ending. Yeah, but so, never my favorite never. ones. They always die at the beginning, guys. Name an unhappy ending one that you like. The main character cannot die at the beginning, Corey, because then they're not the main character. I'm not saying they're my <laughs> The main character is my favorite. Oh, okay. I'm saying my favorite characters always die in the beginning. Got it. Okay, okay, okay. Always. I'm like, God, I love that guy. Five minutes later, wait, boom, wait, dead. Wait, in horror movies? You yes. You get attached to characters in horror movies. Yeah. I get attached to all characters, and I get attached what? to characters in every genre. What? If I don't, then I don't like the movie. What That's horror why I didn't movies like are you last... watching that spend time on character development? No, it doesn't even have to be a lot. Just a a little bit of like quirkiness and i'm like god i like them a lot or, oh such a smart aleck i it's, love them a lot it's also actors so cory cory is attached to actors as we've learned so if it's somebody she likes that's i could see that immediately grabbing them. Prometheus, i love the geologist at the beginning i love the geologist he's such a smart aleck would i like him in real life no i'd probably want to smack him the, in the one face. who makes maps but then gets completely lost in the thing he just made a map for yes <laughs> that movie's so awesome geologist ever <laughs> not talking to you anymore <laughs> all right i guess you guys the rest of my actually, list is mystery 
Hi. Actually, actually, if he's a geologist, why is he making maps? No, is the geologist was the guy. Oh, my he was bad. the one who went in to get the uh, samples. Cartographer is making maps. I apologize. Yeah, I, cartographer. Sometimes, okay. sometimes okay. my brain doesn't click right away. Um, because the only one that was a smartass was I thought the the punk rock guy, and that's the the yeah. map maker. That oh, guy. Okay. okay. All right. I gotta watch it again. It, I gotta watch I, it again. You you don't. It's, I wish. It's I wish I were a film I producer. In order to cast Dean DeHaan in movies where he gets off in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> Don't worry. No. That will start happening probably after the last three bombs. Oh, no. <laughs> he'll be the new Ethan Embry. He'll, just, oh, no. he'll be listed as like uh, milk, milkshake maker new, number three. Sean Bean. Oh, yeah. Sean Bean. All right. Sorry, Dean DeHaan. You've, you've, your summer has not been pleasant. Um, three strikes and you're out, though. Um, I bet you're I was generous. December 31st. He's like, this is my year, guys. I got Cure for Wellness coming out, and I got Valerian. It's going to be I'm going the best. out on a limb. This is bigly huge year for me. All right, we got to move. Mike, what is your number three from the 70s? All right, so I'm going with a slasher film that would set the path for other slasher films to follow. John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978 was probably on my viewing list much earlier than it should have been and has remained a mainstay on said inappropriate viewing and irresp- irresponsible parenting viewing since its introduction in my teenage years. Uh, my kids have not seen it and probably won't for a while. Stats, 7.8 user score, IMDb rating, 93.93% fresh on the tomatometer, 78% metascore. At this point, there is probably little or nothing that I could add in the means of discussion that could add anything more than than has likely already been said in the almost 40 years since the film's original release. 40 years, guys. I'm almost as old as this. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> even now, the sheer number of sequels, and not to mention Zombies reboot slash redo, is staggering. I mean, those love, I figure, have lost their way beginning from Halloween 2. And, I mean, and Carpenter's non-involvement from there, you know, that point forward. Uh, and, you know, I, I kind of feel that they've muddled what was a very adequately done slasher film, even though at the end of the first one it was left wide open for a sequel, or, or I don't know, that he wondered, that he thought, you know, it would last this long. It's crazy how many it spawned and how it still remained, you know, around. I don't know what's going to happen with it. Uh, well, that's, we were at, um, my daughter and I went to Spirit of Halloween in Lakeland today. And uh, we were looking at. They have three different versions of the Halloween mask. Um, one is the Mike Mu- the uh, Rob Zombie remake mask, the original, and then an officially licensed Halloween mask, which was the worst looking of the three. Um, I don't know if the one that was in front just had like some you know shipping damage because there was like a a big patch of the hair was like on its cheek, like <laughs> it was <laughs> it was really bad. It's, but it's teen- teenage Michael Myers. <laughs> He's got peach fuzz. Uh, um. <laughs> Yeah, no. No wonder it's so he's so angsty. I I definitely like this film. I even like some of the other ones even though they get bad. Like what's the, number 5 has Paul Rudd in it, right? Or the or 4? Uh yeah, but I like that. Speaking one of being attached I like to that actors. One. Yeah. Uh, so I when I found out Paul Rudd was in one, I was like, "Ooh, I'm definitely watching that cuz I'm a big Paul Rudd fan." So and I like that one a lot actually. So despite it being kind of bad, it's still like it's got Paul Rudd. It works. I think seven, seven. I'm kidding. Seven. I mean, they get progressively bad. I know the Mm -hmm. Buster Rhymes one was just 
What? Bad, bad, bad. Yeah, I think that's H2O or... Um... Yeah, a Resurrection, I want to say. Oh, okay. It's one of those, yeah. Oh, I liked H2O. Well, one of them has... I... Like, it's, Were it's you attached to Jamie Lee Curtis? Um, I want to say this, that um, I love that she is in this movie and that she... I don't feel like a lot of actresses that star in horror movies are necessarily taken uh, very seriously. But yes. she she was though she and John Carpenter yeah. partnered up for, for a little bit there because she was in the fog and this mm-hmm. one um, prom night was not Carpenter um, but she she you know built up her character from being that screen queen and moving mm-hmm. beyond it. I think this one though does feel serious. Like I think the sequel start to lose that that edge, but I mm-hmm. I really feel like the first Halloween has a, a tone that's that's truly scary. Um, Unlike like well, the, Friday the Thirteenth, the first one, while it's definitely darker, I think than the, the later ones as far as like because of the the twist in that one. But there's parts hokey. that are, it is it's super hokey. Like there's parts that you're just like, oh um, man, it's so cheesy. But Halloween yeah, is uh, is scary. Well, I would say it still holds up through two because there's some scary parts. I have not rewatched the second two one in a long time. So, well, I found for me the most bothersome was. When the one kid that was trick-or-treating in two, and I know we're deviating, but it, it, it bears to what we're talking about, um, has the, the kind of over the jumpsuit um, and, or work suit and looks like a mask. And, you know, they're try- the, the police officers are trying to find him and get him to stop and doesn't pay attention. And he gets killed, you know, because he panics and kind of goes into traffic and there's... It, it, it's that was horrifying to me and uh, some of it was cheesy i think it gets progressively three being the odd one out of the box that as it moves on it gets even you know yeah but i like three too uh, though even though it doesn't have mike myers in it i do like that one um it's a little mike, hokier. mike my, the, the mask was supposed to be mike myers. <laughs> i was gonna talk about that <laughs> That's just this, is mike myers. this is mike myers no the halloween <laughs> This is a Halloween mask. This is a Halloween mask. Michael Myers. Michael. <laughs> no, the scary, the scary guy. Oh, Jason. Uh, no. Oh, Edgar Wright, you kill me. Um, oh, kind of like 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 Michael Myers. Um, all right. Uh, definitely good pick. Not really surprising, as you are a huge Carpenter fan, so makes perfect sense. Huge. Huge. All right, Corey. What is your number three? No big surprise here, but um. I went with Harold and Maude. Oh, yeah. I still need to see this. Oh, we um, haven't. Neither of us have seen that. We're, that one's got to do with relationships, right? Uh, um, a morbid kind of. relationship. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 1971. Do any, do any characters die in the first 10 minutes? Um, No, but Aww. Harold does stage his own suicide throughout his yes, mother's mansion. Through the whole film, and then he falls in love with 79-year-old Maude, um, who is the opposite of Harold. Um, she loves life. She's adventurous and outgoing, and they're quite the odd couple. That's not my sort of bag, baby. See, this sounds right up my alley. That's why I'm mad that I haven't seen it, because it's a dark comedy, and I tend to love dark comedies. Um, and I like rom-coms even. And so while it's not necessarily a rom, because there, there's not, it's not a traditional romance, right? Like they're not, or is it? What do you mean by a traditional romance? Like, are they like romantic towards each other? 
Yes. Oh, that's kind of gross. Oh. <laughs> yes, it is. But I love it anyways. Um, a lot of people do. This I, is a very popular film. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot. Of, it's It's got its own cult following, I would say. Of pedophiles. You're a member of a cult, Corey. They, miss, they meet each other uh, attending funerals of people that they don't even know. Ah. Very romantic. It probably, it probably inspired the Tyler Durden, Marla... Oh, your oh. relationship. That's interesting. Actually, that's oh. very possible art influences. Hmm. Hmm. John, you do need to see this, and then we can discuss it. Yeah, it's it's on my list. I think it's on oh. Filmstruck, even. Um, it is. It's one of the Criterion. Yeah, so it's one I'm going to definitely check out. I, I like how she says, you need to watch it. She doesn't want to discuss it with me. <laughs> well, because I know that this is the type of movie that John would probably enjoy, and he said that he's had it on his list for a long time. Yeah, it's, uh, I think you said that someone gave you the name of this back before you even started doing your challenge, and I feel like you might like it too, Mike. Probably. There. Yeah, I think so. You, you've got a dark sense of humor too. Um, what? No, me? No. <laughs> hey, wait. I just realized, Mike, I've seen two of your movies, and Corey has seen one so far. Is that right? Because I've, I've you've seen I Halloween. I don't think so. I've seen Halloween. Okay. Okay. So yeah. I have seen one, so I need one more. Oh, she's not getting the next two then. Oh. Dang it. I always lose. I need to well, like just do one every time. So you, you can choose you two through one. five. You the one. Yeah. All right. So um, I guess, is there anything else you want to say about Harold and Maude, Corey? No, that I love it. And if anyone hasn't seen it, you need to watch it. And this tough. is one that I would say that if you like um, dark comedy, just to buy it. Oh, wow. That's a good recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm going in a very different direction with my number three. Um, it's from 1971 also, though. But mine is rated G. And it's a movie that I don't care how old I am. I'm always going to love it. It's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I love this movie. I am. This is. I mean, I love Gene Wilder in several films, but this is still probably the performance. I still quote this movie like all the time. Um, I think I've even since his passing, I've watched it a couple of times. I showed it to some classes last year. I even bought the brought in Gobstoppers, even though they're not the same Gobstoppers that are in the movie. But I bought them boxes of Gobstoppers so they they could all have a Gobstopper while they watch Willy Wonka. Um, and we analyze yeah. it for a film, you know, because there are some really great cinematic elements to the movie. Um, but I I love him in this, and um, it's it's got great songs. Uh, some really funny moments, some great quotable lines. Like again, uh, when you get mad, I said good day, sir. And um, saying the snozberries tastes like snozberries is still one of the f- my favorite moments, especially when you have pets, because my dogs will randomly lick things, and so I just have to say the snozberries <laughs> taste like snozberries. And even so much um, on my board for open house this or uh, orientation, I had written on the board, "We are the music makers." We um. We are the uh, dreamers of dreams, but I crossed out music and wrote movies above it because my class is film. So we're the movie makers, the dreamers of dreams. Um, so I paraphrased, but I, I did write the original quote and crossed out music and wrote movies above it because um, there's just it's just a great film. It, it's still fun, and I, I genuinely think I'll be like 80 years old and like, ooh, Willy Wonka's on, and I'll sit and watch it because I I just love it. So that's my pick. <sighs> I can't believe I didn't think about that one. It is very good. And weren't we just joking? Who do we, who were we just? I thought I want to say we were joking with you about having sharing having to share the bed. Oh, probably. <laughs> I share it with many animals. 
and my wife. Oh my! Uh, oh my! But I don't know. Was there something else? I don't know why we would be talking about that. I don't know. I'm it's... trying to think. But there are definitely. I mean, I, I definitely really enjoyed Veruca Salt as much as she was not really to be. You know. Oh yeah. We were talking about Grandpa Joe. I don't remember why. It was very funny, whatever we were talking about, because I said something about... We enjoyed that joke. Yeah, it was good. Man, I wish I remembered that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, man. Grandpa Joe, too, though, in this movie. I He's so great. Um, Jack Albertson, Gene Wilder, um, Peter Ostrom as Charlie. And it is uh, one of many movies from uh, the Ron Dahl, the Rold Dahl books. Um, they've done this one. <laughs> Fantastic Mr. Fox, BFG. This movie, though. He did. Um, but James hey, and the Giant Peach. Stephen King hated it. Uh, no, sorry. Stephen I King hated Shining. Hit is what Shining. I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although, I hear yeah. I hear he loves it, the new one that's coming out on September 8th. That's... I mm-hmm. yeah, I think that there finally. is like a little snippet of him talking about it. There is. Uh, in one of the spots. Okay. Was, yeah, it was really, it was cool. Um, but the critics, I don't mean to jump into it, but since we, we somehow oddly transitioned from book adaptations... Um, the reviews coming out for it have been very positive already. So everyone be excited. September 8th, guys. I can't wait. I want to see it, but I think that they're over advertising. Like it's every movie that I go to, they played like a really long, um, like, you know, bit from the movie. And it's like, we already know what the movie's about. I don't, you know what I mean? I feel like they're overselling not it. I really want to see it. Yeah, they're, they're, they're marketing it to the, the kids, though, um, especially the Stranger <sighs> Things generation, because it is, um, you have Mike from it's, Stranger Things, and they're really targeting yeah. that audience, the kids, the mm-hmm. 13 and younger. Corey doesn't know how Hollywood marketing does. They <laughs> ram it down your throat. She definitely knows, but she doesn't like it. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. um, I All agree. Right. Love this movie so much, um, and I can't. Wonka. Yes, I'm back to Willy Wonka. I didn't really get to talk <laughs> about it. I remember the first time I saw this movie. Getting us back on track, guys. Um, I was in the second grade, and I just remember it was like a rainy day, and the teacher like wheeled the TV in, oh, wow. and we watched it on VHS. So I, I don't just, remember ever since then. I don't remember how I watched it at my grandma's house. I know there were three movies that my grandma cycled. It, one was Willy Wonka, one was Wizard of Oz, and then we had the original Doctor Doolittle. And those were like on constant loops. If I was at grandma's house for the weekend, we were watching one of those three movies. And I don't remember. I don't think we owned thought, it, so we I must have you recorded had a movie it. Punishment Room. That was uh, this was before I moved in. The movie Punishment Room was after oh, okay. I moved in. Uh, Hold on, I need to know, know about this. What did was was that an episode where Ben was on instead of Corey? I uh, don't know. Mike Mike calls. We had a room that was like a den. Uh, that I don't remember why it was why Mike dubbed it. The way I described it apparently sounded like we were being sent to the room to watch it. You go in there and watch that movie and think about what you've done. <laughs> no. But I love Wayne's World and Encino Man. Um, <laughs> And Hudson Hawk. I don't care what anybody says. All right. (laughs) So that said, let's move into Mike's number two from the 70s. All right. So David Lynch is the quintessential gray area film director. And if you don't know what I mean by that at this point, I mean, because you're probably a new listener or just hadn't paid attention to me. When I mean gray area, it's either you love it or hate it. There is no gray area. With David mm. Lynch, I would say. And uh, having given up our Showtime subscription midway through this Twin Peaks The Return run, 
I miss it so much because it's definitely back to David Lynch form. Um, to say that I fully understand everything going on with 1977's Eraserhead would be untruthful. Uh, I will share the stats first. 7.4 user score IMDb rating, 91% fresh rating on the Tomatometer. No Metascore. Uh, there's all sorts of story behind the creation. I know that he had worked with uh, film grants and had run out of money, and then it was years in the making. You know, people went back, and then he had to get people back once he got more money to complete it. This was definitely a labor of love for David Lynch. Um, its eventual release, that whole story, I mean, is something to behold. And I'm wondering why there hadn't been, you know, a documentary made about that. Well, David Lynch is still around to chronicle it because it's just, this is just so out there. And I mean, I can't say any, I hate when people say it's so unique because there isn't anything quite like Eraserhead. Maybe um, Tetsuo, the um, oh, there's a series of Japanese films that may match it in tone and the way that the filmography is, uh, but not there's nothing quite like Eraserhead uh, or any you know some David Lynch works are definitely not nearly as accessible. The creation of the creature slash baby in it is still still a secret kept to. David Lynch, he hasn't shared how they made it, and it is monstrous. It is gruesome to behold. It's uh, it's probably difficult to say the least, or probably impossible to get a hold of Eraserhead, and even it's more difficult to. F- oh, there you go. Uh, even probably more difficult to fully appreciate, but it's it is a contemporary classic that will leave an indelible image burned into the synapses that hold your memory. And, and one of your cats agrees with me. Uh, um, yes. Yeah. He's in uh, like three actually, rooms over. I don't know how it's so loud. Like, ooh, you have like cat. Ma- it's the cat version of magic. They're using you as a ventriloquist dummy. Interesting trivia on Eraserhead is that Stanley Kubrick made the cast of The Shining watch this movie, among others, oh. to get in the mood for filming a horror picture. So I, uh, That sounds like a Kubrick thing to do. Corey, this might hey. be one that I pick. Uh, for movie club in the near future because I have not seen many of of David Lynch's films. I think I've only seen two, and then well, I've seen Blue Velvet, which I need to rewatch, and we need to talk about. I've seen Mulholland Drive many times. Well, by many, probably three or four. Um, And still, I should rewatch that and discuss that with you too. And then I've seen. Oh my God! Did he do Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me? I hated that. Yeah. yeah. Mostly I because it. I didn't yeah. like the actress who replaced her best friend. Um, I liked Morricone, but. Well, here's the. Uh, I don't think I've. I saw. I saw Fire Walk with me, and I think, and I'm not a hundred percent, but I know as a kid I watched The Elephant Man with my mom. But I, I that Ooh, was a remake, that's right? Hard to watch. That was an adaptation. I can't remember if the John Merrick story was done before that. Oh, okay. Well, then I saw that um, one. I couldn't. That's because Anthony Hopkins is also in that one, I believe. I don't. Obviously, I was way too young when I saw it because I think we watched it on like regular TV too. Because I was you know born in '82. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Oh, John Hurt's in it too. Yeah, I definitely don't remember it so much as I know I watched it and I knew the like the lines you know from it. Um, the iconic line like um, what is it? I'm a I'm a man. I'm a. I forget. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, I remember that line as a kid, and I, I definitely saw it. I don't know that I understood what I was seeing, of course. 
Um, probably not. But I've watched Twin Peaks season one, and I think I saw all of season two at this point. I have. I have seen all of two. Um, I have not watched any of the new ones yet, and I haven't seen anything else. So I have a lot of. Uh, he's on. He's one I know that I have to kind of dive into and be willing to mm-hmm. just take I, it as it is and then try to analyze it afterwards. But it's kind of it's, it's a little frustrating though um, because I do like to have answers most of the time, and he doesn't always give answers. So that kind of you know what I mean. I do. Um, I don't know that I need answers, but I do want to have at least some kind of semblance, especially when you I are making know what's going on when and you're, why when you're making a film. Or, like, even, like, when I read some of the, like, synopsis of Twin Peaks after watching the season and the movie, I'm looking mm-hmm. at, like, these elaborate analysis by all these different people online. And I'm just like, no, you're you're making stuff up. Like, there is nothing in the movie or show that guarantees what you're saying is fact. Like, because they're saying, it like, this is this. I'm like, you don't know. There's no way you can know that from watching the show. Like, if he said it somewhere else, fine. But you cannot decipher that from watching it like there's no way i refuse to believe that you got that specific of an answer in this show like there's no no way and so if that's Uh his films i will get frustrated for sure (laughs) well then i would suggest uh, this is not the one to start with the (laughs) one to begin with then would be blue velvet because it is much more linear and i believe will fulfill those you need your answers you're not going to get that in the eraser head i promise you and I think that's why it's so you either love or hate. Um, let's say Dune might be a whole lot more, you know, but that's working him working uh, on an adaptation yeah. of, a, of a, a novel with I don't know how much interference, but I felt it still works. I would go with those two. Um, then it gets more difficult. I mean... Mo Holland's is to, uh, Inland Empire. Those are tougher. But Eraser, uh, even even Elephant Man's probably a lot more of the traditional storytelling. That's the closest he'll be. He'll get and Twin Peaks, I guess. And some of Twin Peaks, not all of it. Yeah, well, just to save you some frustration. To be fair, like I don't, I don't necessarily need the answers. Like I said, but. When I looked for answers in Twin Peaks and saw people giving them so readily, I was like, no, 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 no. I don't, be- I don't believe that it's stated anywhere in the series that that's and that thing. So, I have a hard time thinking that he would have said things like that either Me too. because I feel like he's been very, like, you know, not. He doesn't give the answers. Yeah, he's, he's not. You know what I mean? I think there's even times where he doesn't necessarily know the answer, but he just no. Mm-hmm. He's just thing. making and a I film that he wants that. to make. Or... Yeah, I would. I I've not listened to any interviews with him. I know he has a documentary where he paints for like two hours and like what? It's supposed to be really weird and, and odd. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, let's move to Corey's number two. What do you got for number two, Corey? Okay, I know I've talked about this one too, but I've talked about less than some of my other ones, so here we go. It's from 1973. It's Vault of Horror, another mm-hmm. one of my horror anthologies. Um, this one I haven't watched as much as the other ones, but it has um, some shorts in it that I really enjoy. I especially enjoy the first um, short uh, where this man is trying to find his sister, I believe, to like work out inheritance that they've gotten. And he ends up tracing her to this little um, town and it ends up that everyone that lives in the town are vampires. 
so he becomes dinner. Um, but um, this is also another one of those that was based off of the uh, horror comics, I think, of the 50s or 60s. I can't remember. Um, DC ones? Like... Yeah. Wait, what's it uh, called? It's Vault of Horror. Vault of Horror. Because there's a Vault of Horror from 1994 with Tom Hanks attached to What? Yeah. No. no. Seriously. Weird. Tom Hanks is listed as one of the directors for uh, Vault of Horror. Vault of Horror. Maybe it's got a, a one at Tom the end Hanks. of it. Vault of Horror. No, Maybe. dude. There's a picture and everything. And Bo Bridges is in it. Um, That's not necessarily. What? You know, yeah. It's, but oh, it's, I see it. It's not the Vault of Horror. It's just Vault of Horror. And it does look like it has a one afterwards. Um. Which Vault is... of Horror 1. There, there's Tom Hanks. Oh, weird. This... There's a Doctor Who in this one, in your version. And this one was fish. Um... Yeah, well, that explains the Doctor Who guy. So... Yeah. <laughs> Tom weird. Baker, for everybody who's a Doctor Who fan. Oh, is he related to the director? Oh, I didn't realize there are six shorts in this one. I thought there were five. And it's only an hour and 13 minutes. Oh, no, an hour and 23 minutes. Barely qualified. Perfect for the kind of viewing... <laughs> Length that, that Corey, Corey requires. <laughs> um, I feel like you're being very judgmental. No, I just know your what? predilection for movies. Also, oh, Kyle McLaughlin is in the '94 one, man. What? what? I wonder if it was a remake. And it's made from what? Tales of the Crypt by famous directors and actors. I've never heard. I'll be honest, of either of them. That's crazy. So, I've never heard of this newer one. Sugar Ray Leonard's in it? That's weird. Three episodes. What? Was it a TV series? There's like nothing showing for information that I'm looking at. Oh, down here at Plot Summer. I think they, I think they made it up. It's a compilation of three episodes from the Tales three from episodes. the Crypt. Okay. Oh, so it's just like. It's three eps together as like one thing? I don't it, know. It's like yes. the value pack. Yeah, well, it, a... that's not usually how IMDb lists things, though, so I'm not sure, but I am intrigued. Bo Bridges, Tom Hanks, and Kyle MacLachlan are all listed. If it were a value Tupac, I would have been okay with it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, we have to leave that joke there and keep moving. So, Corey, Dang. I've never seen The Vault of Horror, either one, uh, <laughs> but you do love these anthologies. That has been a trend for you. I know. And, and when also, and when I haven't short. seen a lot of movies from the 70s, guys. <laughs> well, I feel like, I don't know what your number one's going to be, but man, I, some I of the movies you you're do. picking, I'm just like, what the heck? All right. What do you mean, what the heck? I just feel like, movies, I feel like you're forgetting what movies came out of the 70s. <laughs> no, there's... I have a few more as my... Okay, all right. I have a few more. Well, then. Hmm. Well, just, For my honorable mentions. You made this one sound like it, it was, because it's even your number two, and you made it sound like it was a throw-on. Like, you're like, well, I had nothing else to pick from, so I just threw this no, one on. Like I, no, I like this one, and I've seen it a few times, but what? I don't, I haven't Why seen it as much as Tales from the Crypt, or. Why is Sugar Ray Leonard in this? I know, the, I, I know. was looking at <laughs> Maybe it's about boxing. <laughs> It's, oh, no. He fights Conor McGregor oh. in it, and he loses. You mean, uh, you mean like the horror show last night? Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, no. That was the joke. We're topical, guys. <laughs> no. All right. So okay. I, I feel bad for those people that shelled out that money. 100 like, bucks. Well, you learned? It's it did like last 10 rounds. And it'll be different this time. It lasted 10 rounds, to be fair. like It's not like it was over true. in one round. True. That is true. All right, we're going to move into my number two. Uh, my number two is a movie that you've probably never heard of. Um, so, you know, bear with me as I read this description. Um, so 
there's a desert and there's this old hermit and um these droids crash on it and it's oh. it's called Star Wars a New Hope. I it's it's really called Star Wars, let's be real. When this came out in 1977, it was Star Wars. Um I could not make a list from the 70s and not include Star Wars. But note, it's number 2 on my list and not number 1. Oh, that is true. Um but I do I couldn't help but include it. I actually tried not to include it and it was just staring at me like who am I kidding? Like it's Making it's so easily guilty. one of my favorite movies of all time. I am I don't even like to count it as a favorite movie because it's it's exists outside of my favorite movie list. It's like Star Wars is more than a movie to me. You know what I mean? Like it, it is a movie, so it's on my movie list, but it's more than a movie. Like it, it's beyond your film. You're a registered Jedi as your religion, aren't you? Uh, yes, I, I, I uh, well, Should no, I would go gray Jedi. You know, more like agnostic Jedi kind of thing, where I'm not quite sure <laughs> um, if I feel like the dark side is really as bad as they say. The force but... might be there. <laughs> okay, okay, Han Solo. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not how the force works. Uh, but, um. I, uh, I believe that's that's not how the force works. Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, uh yeah, R2D2 is one of the best characters ever. Um, you know, although he has a potty mouth. Um, as they bleep <laughs> out everything he says. And uh Darth Vader Poor is Art. one of my favorite villains. Like the, I think the only villain that beats Darth Vader for me is is the Joker. Um and not Jared Leto's, just to clarify, but, you know. No, I didn't Ledger. feel like that needed well, asterisk. And, Van, and Vader is such a good dad, too. I mean, like father the of the best. year. Um, I mean, to be fair, by <laughs> by Jedi, he kind of does redeem himself a little, you know. Um, but 20-some years later. <laughs> hey, <laughs> he was going through some things. To be fair, he didn't know, right? Like, he didn't know he had kids. He was told they were killed. They were dead, so... It's not like and he... who did the killing? I mean, you know, she died of a broken heart. We we get all this. Don't make me bring the prequels up as defense for things, Mike. I don't like acknowledging their existence. But um, no, you know, Mike and I went to the Star Wars celebration earlier this year. I'm obviously a Star Wars fan. Uh, this movie changed the face of film in a lot of ways. How films were made. Um, a lot of advancements in film technology were created to make the Star Wars franchise, and um. I mean, gosh, it's the cultural impact. If we were going to measure a movie and its cultural impact, it'd be hard to find anything more than Star Wars. I mean, Star Trek has a, sm- a pretty large cultural impact, but even that, by comparison, Star Wars is, I think, bigger, especially now. Um, Star Wars has invaded where it's no longer just nerds who love it, right? Like, normal people love it, too, and it's that... Normal uh, people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's branched out from the the original fans, but I've I've, you know... I think my first introduction to the film was my Aunt Karen's room had uh, Star Wars wallpaper on one wall that she didn't what? put there. She didn't put it there, but it had Star Wars wallpaper. And I remember like seeing and like I would just constantly like look at it and was like mesmerized because there was a Death Star and there were X-Wings and there was Vader and there was Leia. It was Luke holding you know, her about to swing across the, the empty bridge. And I would just like stare at it. it just, I hadn't even seen the movie yet, but I'm just like I was captivated by the images from the first movie that were on her wall. That when I finally saw it, it just, you know, all the more. I, it's it's definitely one of my favorite movies from the 70s. It's one of my favorite movies, period. And again, I think it even may have transcended the idea of just film. And it's just something I accept as myth, you know. So, Star Wars is my number two. Didn't make my list. Made my honorable mentions. Is, um, 
I gave George Lucas's other he, he work credit. Um, not that you know, you know, I'm a fan. Oh yeah, I'm one of those normal people. You're Even not. though you're I a am nerd. Star Wars. <laughs> what are you talking I'm about? Star Wars. Hold on. Fandom. Hold on. Has all Star Trek <laughs> ringtones. Mike doesn't let you get a word in. No, I'm like, wait a minute. You're a Star oh, Trek. My, my fandom's huge. Yeah. <laughs> I met I met Mike playing Magic even <laughs> like like this oh. is, I, I mean that's I met I literally we should have known each other through other means but we met through a graduate who's been on this uh, sh- podcast Keith um who I started playing Magic because of Keith and then I was introduced to Mike through Magic and then you know the rest is now uh, 64 episodes of a podcast and a bunch of other things so <laughs> um all right, and Corey, we know you're a Star Wars fan too. My wife and you, especially, yeah. are both. They have like best friends, C three PO, R two D two stuff because they're nerds yeah. too. Oh, okay, R two is my homeboy. You know, um, this is a long. This is a long movie, so. I know. Um, introduced That's... to it at. Uh, thanks, Dad. Uh, apparently, Aww. I was a big fan of Chewie, <laughs> and of course, I love Han. Yeah, I mean, how do you not? Um, I know. Let's just hope, guys. We got La- we got Last Jedi, um, Han Solo movie in the weird production phase with Ron Howard taking over, and then I don't oh, know wow. if you guys have heard, but and Clint and Clint Howard being in as a cameo. It, I believe. Um, have yep. you guys heard about the Obi Wan Kenobi that looks the Obi Wan Kenobi movie that looks like it's officially happening? Oh. Um, the mm-hmm. there's a lot of spec. There's nothing but speculation. The 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 version that there's been a lot of like fan theories. Um, it's supposed to be Ewan too, McGregor back as Obi, and oh. um, I'm all in oh. for that. And the oh. hope, the hope is that it will be between Jedi and um, not Jedi. I'm sorry, between uh, Revenge of the Sith and New Hope, and that we'll have kind of like a Seven Samurai type Obi Wan Kenobi movie, where like he'll have to defend like a village or something in Tatooine. Um, you know, maybe even risk breaking his cover. Uh, who knows for sure, obviously, but it I'm I'm in. But I would love if for them only... to do a new story in the universe rather than just you know, it would be a new story, but it's a character we know. Like I would love for them to just something new, not related at all. If only it could be a Obi Wan rent boy train spotting. <laughs> Obi gets Mash hooked on uh, Death Stick. Oh my god. <laughs> he finally yeah. gives in and tries the Death Sticks and has to figure out a way to deal with that. break the habit. <laughs> Danny I mean, Boyle's directing. What else are you going to do in a ball of sand? Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense. And he does the, the live, choose choose the force. <laughs> Just choose light, not dark. <laughs> choose light, not dark. <laughs> he gets real Scottish for some reason. Like, what's going on? <laughs> um, all right, that's enough of Star Wars. Let's go to the Use number one. for defense, never attack. <laughs> Mike, what is your number one, sir? <laughs> Mike has to talk uh, in a Scottish accent the rest of the episode. Sorry. Right. I'm unsure if my mother was a Jack Nicholson fan or not, but I distinctly remember being introduced to 1975's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by her. Ah. Oh. Is that is that quite Scottish enough? It was, that was pretty may, good. Maybe and too then you Scottish. Broke it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I'm not. I'm quite unaware of what I was watching, especially near the end scenes and what I was going on with a chase. All right, I can't do that. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> Sounds exhausting. Okay. 
I have to think on that because it'll turn Hispanic after a while. Uh, you were rolling the R's. <laughs> <laughs> it was a funny story about that, and I'll get back to. I tried teaching my my daughter how to roll her R's. That was painful. Um, oh no. It, so one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I, I really didn't know what I, was, what I was watching at the time. I was probably much too young. I don't think I was in the theater at two years old, but I, um, I wonder if my mom really was a Jack Nicholson fan or not, because I watched this pretty young. Uh, 8.7 user score IMDb rating, 95% fresh on the tomato meter. Tomato meter. And um, 80% meta score. Um, I didn't realize how difficult this was to produce. Kirk Douglas originally secured the rights to Ken Kesey's novel and was unable to secure any backing for at least a decade. And at that point, he's passed those rights on to Michael Douglas. Because I always wondered, because I'd seen that, I'd seen Michael Douglas's name as a producer. I'm like, is that the same? And it surely was. And at that point, uh, Kirk Douglas was way, he was in his 60s, which wouldn't have fit because he had played him on Broadway, I believe. Uh, and, you know, and what a film. Uh, the theme of freedom where there isn't any. The confrontations between McMurphy, played by Jack Nicholson, and Nurch Ratched, played brilliantly by Louise Fletcher, just mm-hmm. classic. Ultimately, yeah. uh, you know, no forms of treatment. Basically, the rebelliousness that McMurphy has, then they opt to lobotomize him. And I, I don't know that at, that ever fully clicked with me until I was a little bit older uh, in my early viewings, because I think I just thought he was simply heavily medicated which really confused me as to why chief spoilers yeah why chief uh, ended up doing what he did don't say he, it man he smothers him it's freaking it's one of the most he, haunting em- endings of a film i've ever seen yeah and and that's stuck and i'm like you know and then he's cheered on to 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 be free and does what he does to escape but yeah that smothering it's just but really at that point having been lobotomized he knew he was never going to be back to the way he oh, yeah. was that he wasn't even going to be a shade of what he was. I didn't even really realize what lobotomy does to you. And that was a common practice. It was seen as a standard procedure. Yep. Um, session nine has that element of lobotomy in it and it's horrifying. And that's just, you know, it, it, it works so well. It, it's heartbreaking, but at the same sense, there is a glimmer of hope, but you know, only a slight bit. Uh, it's, it's one that's going to stick around with you. And when you mentioned it earlier, I'm like, I'll just keep quiet. I'll stay <laughs> here quietly in my Scottish voice. And um, just, you know, it's my, that's why I stuck it all the way up there. Because as much as I love Chinatown, this is the one yeah. I think I got to prior to Chinatown. Now, see, I did too. I saw this a few years ago. Um, but I think I think I took a Corey kind of attitude. Like, I love the movie. But it's so dark that ending really, really like it bothered me to my core. Not, not just like mm-hmm. I get why he smothered him. Like that, seeing it was still tough. But like the whole seeing him lobotomized was even tougher. Like it was so, and and you know he's not actually crazy. You know, like he was just doing it to to what was to because he didn't have money, right? Like he needed somewhere to stay. So yeah. he got yeah. himself checked into this place, and then. Talk about backfiring, you know, and then you have a great cast, too, because you have Scatman Crothers and Danny DeVito, Christopher Lloyd, um, pre-Doc Brown, you know. Brad um, Dourif. Yep, and like you said, the uh, Nurse Ratchet's just, oh, man, she's such a villain, you know. Oh, so, mm. yeah, definitely just, so, so symbolic of the, the man and the system and Jack Nicholson total opposite, you know. Um, I think he had similar role, different, but 
kind of he plays roles like the uh, five easy pieces. I don't know if you guys have seen that one. I have not. Okay. Um, now, but and I think if I remember correctly, Corey is a big fan of the book and didn't like the movie. Yep. Love the book so much. Um, no, I felt like they left out very important pieces, like very important events out of the book from the movie. I don't think that they um, like developed those characters. No. How long the movie would have been? No, I'm just kidding. I know. It was two hours and 13 minutes. And I just remember watching it and feeling so completely just, why? Maybe this should be redone. I don't think so, but. No. Yeah, it'd be hard to. Just um... leave it alone. People are fans of the movie. You know, like I mean, it, everything doesn't have to be remade, Hollywood. Yeah, and it is. It's it's such a classic film. It is one too. Like I wonder how a young audience will respond to it. Because I mean, I I just watched this a few years ago. Um, I've mentioned my friend who he and I kind of did like our own movie club, but we didn't record a podcast with it where we would take turns. Uh, one he'd either come to my house or I'd go to his house and we'd watch a movie that we either owned already and hadn't seen, um, or it was considered a classic. And this was one of the first ones we ever watched. Um, when we started doing that a few years back and, uh, both of us, I think we, we sat there like kind of stunned, um, when it ended and we just kind of sat there like, cause he works with mental health too. So like he's this, well, he doesn't work in an institution like this, but he's still, that's what he went to school for. That's what he has his master's in. So like, he was very just like, like, holy crap, you know? Um, so it's a movie that while it left a lasting impact on me, you know, cause it's only, I've only seen it once and I watched it a few years ago, but it's still very vivid in my memory. Um, so many sequences from that film too and now I've watched that I've seen that ending not intentionally but it's shown up on it like if you watch like lists on YouTube and stuff those clips will show up and it's it's such a tragic ending and it's so hard to watch like um, but definitely a great pick Mike there's no question it's a classic Thank film you. even though Corey doesn't Hi, now I'm off to the to the winterlands and get me a a heaping helping of haggis. So now the question is, what is Corey's number one? I feel like you already you know. Do it in Scottish. I want to do. Uh, I, I can't. No accents, guys. Um, my number one is from 1974, and it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and oh. not because oh, he died today, which I'm very sad, and I think that I'm gonna go order that beautiful. Um, Salem's Lot soundtrack on vinyl. Um, It's beautiful. But um, I love this movie. It's one of my favorite horror movies. I know we've talked about this. It's ridiculous, low budget, but I don't care. Um, And I think that I can't like went to this movie um, because I wanted to work in forensics and I was very interested in serial killers. And that's um, that whole Ed Gein uh, mm-hmm. connection that yeah. he's supposed to be based off of. Um, another one that, you know, we always talk about the inappropriate movies that our parents let us watch and every single, all three of us, um, have our parents, our parents were like that. And I'm thankful for that. Well, um, is my dad, you know? Yeah. I mean, this he is didn't like this, but he totally a film that has a huge following. Um, there's a lot of people who think it's the best horror movie ever made. I, when I watched it last year, I don't know. I think I went in with maybe too much expectation, and it just didn't. It didn't click for me. And I, I, I mean, there's beautiful filmmaking elements in it. Like I'm not uh, saying it's a bad movie. It just didn't. 
I don't know if it, if I was disappointed because I wasn't scared or if like there were parts that just cracked me up like when the girl runs through the window. I just felt like mm-hmm. it was so it was so movie like it didn't feel like 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 she should have broken a leg or something. Yeah, and it something. was just, um, I mean she got hurt. Kind of, but not for what like and the way she did it too. I'm like windows don't break like that. <laughs> it just again, I'm nitpicking. I'm putting logic to a film that I shouldn't be putting logic to and that I think that was just my way of maybe dealing with the expectations. I didn't go in with managed expectations. I went in expecting to be blown away and I wasn't. And it was probably unfair because my expectations were way too high because this movie is an iconic film and I knew about it. And I, you know, obviously I'm very familiar with, with uh, Leatherface and I, I've seen some of the remakes um, even before I saw the original. So I think just everything combined and even, like, well, House of a Thousand Corpses, I don't think it holds a candle to this whatsoever. It's clearly, it clearly pulls inspiration from it. Like, the setup of the family, how they end up at the house, that whole thing feels very similar to Texas Chainsaw. And I think that didn't help the movie for me um, because I was, I'd seen House of a Thousand Corpses before. And House of a Thousand Corpses, as Rob Zombie tends to do, maybe drags a little too much before we finally get to the house. Or Texas and Chainsaw doesn't. It wasn't doesn't. very good with the atmosphere. No, he's he's a different. He's more. I don't know. He it feels like he wants to be Tarantino with his horror. Uh, like let's have like lots he's of dialogue. To be shocking. Yeah. And, oh. Well, I meant more of the dialogue, like because his movies tend to have a lot of explanation and stuff happening, especially like the Halloween movies, because that's like let's add oh. a bunch of psychological analysis of Mike Myers, so it makes more sense. It's like. Mm. Yeah. See, but it doesn't need all that mystery. No, it doesn't. That's, that's, that's these are not compliments. Of... I, I, I'm really hoping for that Rob Zombie film to, you know, really hit. I think Lords of Salem was close, but I don't know. I, I, with regards to Halloween, it just didn't need all that backstory. I don't yeah. want. I, stop trying to justify it. I think it's more scary. You know, if it's a normal like in John Carpenter's, you, you don't really get an explanation, and it works fine without it. Well, um, Mike, do you have anything to add about Texas Chainsaw? Because I, I assume this is a film you're a fan of. Yes, and it was... I mean, I went the Halloween route, but the thing is, really... And Kevin Smith's on his his um, memorial to Toby Hooper uh, pointed out really important. He basically, with little or no money, making this... I'm thinking, you know, my thought is the practicality of it. How... Because it's... So it leaves you kind of feeling dirty, and you get this kind of atmosphere from it. How do you? How, do, how are they safe? How can they? You know what I mean? With yeah. such a meager and limited or no budget, and it works so well, and it feels so real even to this day. Because I haven't. It's it's tough to watch, and yeah. I have seen some tough stuff, some difficult things to watch in this one. Whew. And, you know, barring some of the technical things, because, you know, looking back, yeah, that window thing probably, but it overall, um, you know, and and again, if someone had seen, like you'd said, House of, House of a Thousand Corpses prior to it, then it's like, well, this is like the starter one. This is, you know, where. But that's the it, problem. You have to remember that this is the starter one. This is where that idea came from. And this is where. Right. The, uh, the low budget element, which I don't think I. I thought into it when I was watching it of how little budget this movie would have had um, to be made. And I de- I'm planning on rewatching it this Halloween again. Um, 
because I don't I definitely feel like I went in maybe even it might have even been because I watched so many movies back to back to back to back last year um, mm-hmm. that I might have just not even been in the right mindset to watch a movie the time I watched it. And that happened. That's happened a few times with movies I watched last year because I was just like I it was an obligatory an obligatory watching, you know, so like there's like a. I go in with a little bit of a, a chip on my shoulder, like God, I could, I have a billion things I need to do, but I have to watch my movie for the night, kind of thing. So, um, there's a lot of factors that could be why I didn't have a good experience watching it, and I none of them are like I was, I never felt disturbed in a way that would make the movie not good. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like this movie grossed me out or this movie bothered me to my core, and so I don't like it. It's not that. It was just something didn't click for me. And I'm not 100% sure what it is, but I, I want to love it because it's a, it has a 75 Metacritic. And from, I've heard film critics that I generally agree with have raved about this movie. And I'm just like, what did I not see? <laughs> so it's one that is on my uh, rewatch list. Well, I'm, I'm excited that October will be here soon. That's my favorite month because I think I'm going to show days Taylor more... it, man. Not it. Sorry, the, I'm definitely going to show her it. it. I meant to say thing, and it came out. So, uh, <laughs> I, th- I, I think I think my son's ready. Uh, I wouldn't mind watching the thing, dude. It would um, be cool if we did like a a family thing with that too. Then, um, that sounds odd saying, but it's <laughs> family night. The no, thing, but, but no, but but no, but I mean that I was around the, their ages. Yeah, when I first saw it, and he's like um, he and I both because he loved the Korean uh, South Korean film The Tunnel. I'm like, well, let's give this one a try, because he's been asking, begging to watch Jerusalem uh, with the stylized Z, and I gave it a go, and it's just, but I said you might like this because I know he's a predilection that foreign film. That's why we got onto Train to Busan. Oh, that movie. And it just, I, I've seen it at least three times in the last few weeks. Oh wow! And I, it, just to watch him, and because it's one where you, you know you get to. You get involved with these characters, which I joked about. What kind of horror movies are you watching? But you really do. And, you know, by the time you get to the end, it's like, whoa. And to get that in a zombie film, of all things, is a testament to, I think, South Korea. The films coming out from South Korea are hugely overlooked. Yeah. Because there's some amazing stuff coming out. I mean, from the film um, community, not at all, but from the, your general pop- population, definitely. Um, the film critics are are raving about like The Handmaiden. Um, you have Train to Busan that got really really positive scores, and there's another movie that I'm not thinking of that I think I oh Old Boy's Korean, isn't it? Oh, but, oh my gosh, Old yeah. Boy. Um, and then the other the one, um, I saw The Devil. I haven't if seen it. It's one. still on Netflix. Oh, that's. So tough to watch, well, and I know the American remake is in uh, in production. Ah, of course uh, it is. I'm worrisome. It's but definitely, and American audience hasn't seen the original. Um, yeah, I think they're doing Train to Busan too. Actually, I I feel like I heard that they were Americanizing what? that. I could be wrong, it's, but uh, so unnecessary because subtitles won't so hurt you people. Good. Nope. But all right, I'm so gonna good. get into my number one so we can wrap up Sweet. the episode. Oh. Um, my number one, and I, I bookended my number ones, or my one and five, I should say. Um, Steven Spielberg is in my uh, number one, and so is Richard Dreyfus. And I had to go with, I, I think, knew it. Uh, one of my favorite movies ever is Jaws um, from 1975. 
Uh, I've seen this movie. I can't uh, even count. I've taught it. I've studied it. I I can't turn it off when it's on. I love it in every aspect. There's so many things about the film, particularly my as much as I love both um, Roy Schreider, Roy Scheider as Chief Brody, um, and I love Richard Dreyfuss as Hooper. I love Robert Shaw as Quint. Uh, Quint is well the quintessential character in this movie, <laughs> and um, the the speech. Uh, the whole sequence in the boat when they're on the boat together and they, they do the um, comparison of scars, which I, I didn't realize this until recently. I think I mentioned this on the podcast, though, but Chasing Amy, Kevin Smith uh, pays homage to that, like the, the scar setup. Even the shot he uses is the same shot that Spielberg uses in Jaws, um, where it's Banky and uh, Joey Lauren Adams' character, Amy. It's not Amy. Her name's not Amy. That's what the comic is called. Um I can't think of what her name is. Lethal Weapon 3 did something along the same lines, too. They did, but it wasn't a direct, like... The same. Homage, yeah. It was, like, the Scar... I think the Scar thing has been done dozens of times, but Smith, uh, like, they're sitting at a table, the lighting's similar, and his framing is almost identical, um, even positioning. And I think at one point they... You know, because Hooper pulls his leg up and puts it on the table. I think Banky does the same thing. um, (laughs) So, like, it's it's very much uh, Smith paying tribute to this epic film but um then that the scene turns and shaw gives his uh monologue about being in, in on the boat for world war ii the boat that launched the nuke and it being sunk and then the sharks and it's it's so devastating and you see why he's so determined to kill the shark you know it's it's revenge mm-hmm. for him and it's it's a great addition to it and for his character yeah and, and, and being brought in from real life history yes and I, I've I've never read the book. Um, in fact, it was a long time before I realized this was based on a book. Um, but uh-huh. I I love Jaws. Uh, I, and it's a movie. The the best part about me loving this movie is I saw it when I was a kid, and I, it scared me a little. But I I remember being a kid and thinking the shark was fake because I didn't get the point of the movie. At the, as a kid, I thought it was a monster movie, and the shark didn't look cool, so I didn't like it. You know, so it would be a good twenty plus years before I would finally rewatch it. And realizing you know, how many years I missed of this awesome film that it just I didn't get as a kid. You know, I was I was in it to see the shark. Uh, like as if you watch Godzilla, if you're not impressed by Godzilla, you don't really care because the characters aren't the point or whatever. This is very much a movie about the characters, and I didn't get that as a kid. And it, it, I avoided the movie for a long time as a result. And um, over the last seven years, I've seen it so many times that I've taught it year after year. I got to take my some of my students to see a, a screening with Richard Dreyfuss to do the Q and A. Um, you know, it, it's a movie that is now ingrained in who I am. So it, it, when picking this, even though Star Wars, I think is, um, it could be argued that it's more my favorite. I think Jaws has had just as powerful of an impact and more of like a. There's more regret with that one because I'm like I could have been watching this movie for my whole life and I I basically didn't. Um, I saw it and then I avoided it forever and now I, I love it. So Jaws is my number one. It's it's definitely a classic. It's tough not to include it on the list. I need to watch it again because there are definitely a whole lot there's a whole Same. lot more going on. Oh yeah. Than you're right, than the just the shark. And I did finally watch the TED Talks with um, Oh, the JJ Abrams? Yes. Oh great. And just that, that scene oh, so great. It, it's just so simple and touching and 
unexpected. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you don't you don't see that in a let's say Piranha 3D D remake. You know because mm-hmm. Piranha came from the 70s. Yep. Or a, early 80s. Uh, you, you don't see that actually a whole lot. And you know I am probably pretty sure that Meg that I'm still waiting <laughs> will not have something like that. Well, you know. So. Um, like even there's so many quiet scenes in this movie that are great. Like his uh, Hooper shows up not long after the scene you were describing or not describing, but that JJ discusses on his Ted talk where it's the kid and him sitting Hooper shows up for dinner and he brings wine and um, Brody opens the bottle and starts pouring it immediately. Even though Hooper's trying to be like, you know, the wine connoisseur, like, Oh, you got to let it sit. And he just starts pouring. And he fills like a, a normal <laughs> glass, like fills it for, to the brim. And then he pours just, you know, a normal amount in a wine glass for his wife and, and Hooper. But, like, he fills up, like, a drinking glass of wine because he's had a horrible day. You know, a kid died on the beach that day. And um, and he didn't stop people from going in the water, even though he knew there was a shark out there. So the guilt that he's feeling and how he deals with it, it's just, it's quiet. It's it's just great. It's Spielberg's, you know, the family uh, element that Spielberg is a constant theme in his movies definitely rings true uh, as watching it as an adult, especially. So... Um, Corey, you have anything to add to Jaws? I need to rewatch this also. Um, when we recorded a few weeks and we, um, a week, weeks ago for, I think movie club and we changed the night. It was because I was going to our local science museum, uh, each quarter they do like an adult night, which is great. If you really do want to look at the exhibits and not be surrounded by children. Um, and it was a shark exhibit. That was really cool. And I thought of you, they had a big quote, I believe by the um, Peter Benchley. I was going to take a picture, but I couldn't get a big picture because I was up high. Um, That if he knew what the movie uh, Jaws would do to sharks, he wouldn't have ever written it. Because it, it, like... Did that whole slaughter People of sharks hunting. and now sharks yeah. are yeah sharks are endangered now um not anymore i don't think but i think they're uh, um i thought they were off places, the list but maybe maybe i'm wrong um but i need to watch this as an adult my mom loved it as a kid and i just never went back to rewatch it sorry all right well that is our top five we're going to go through our honorable mentions real quick and then we will uh tell you how to send us yours uh mike what do you got for honorable mentions I have, what did I do with my honorable mentions? I got them here. Hold on. I know Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope. And it's funny, I was reading the trivia about 20th Century Fox not wanting to include that on the title card. They didn't want to have any confusion because it it was originally planned as a standalone. And we all see where that went. So that's on my honorable mentions list. Grease, I know we have a divisive... I don't group like here with uh, I know yeah. uh, Marathon Man, which I mentioned before. I just didn't want to mention it again. Marathon uh-huh. Man with uh, Dustin Hoffman. Uh, Every time I hear that Alien. title, I, I think Running Man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like yeah, it could be a name. double feature in a really weird way. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Uh, Alien, the original Alien, The Godfather. And, uh, oh, yeah. I love that movie. I have Carrie. The Rocky Horror Picture Show and Tales from the Crypt. Um, I have Alien as well. Um, I have Enter the Dragon, uh, which oh. is the only American Bruce Lee film, and it's uh, it's his last completed film. Um, Game of Death is technically his last film, although they had to use a stunt double for some of the shots, so it's his last full feature. Um, and I could have picked pretty much all of the Bruce Lee films because I was a huge martial art Bruce Lee fanatic when I was younger. Um 
And then Dawn of the Dead uh, from the 70s, as that is probably my favorite Romero movie anyways. And that one, both Enter the Dragon and Dawn were on my list um, before I decided to stay true and and have Star Wars and Jaws be my real one and two, because they are. Um, But I was going to leave them off and say, like, these are the obvious ones, but I, I went ahead and went with them. Um, and there's tons of other movies that I also was considering Godfather and stuff, but, um, there's some, I mean, when you look back at film history, the seventies have some of the most iconic films, the Godfather being one of them that it's like many, many people list that as one of the greatest movies ever made. Same thing with, um, Chinatown and one flew over the cuckoo's nest. I mean, there's so many movies that came out of this decade that are iconic in the oeuvre. And of course, um, a lot of directors got their big start in this time period too, with, uh, Scorsese and, um, and my brain just went dead, but there's a bunch of other ones. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's Kubrick films in the seventies we could have pulled from. Um, but yeah, uh, great decade, fun list, but we know we missed some things folks. So if you would send us your top five list, we'd love to read them on the, on the next episode or maybe a future episode. You can email us at contact at Burke That is contact at Burke And we might just read your list on the air. Um, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Burke Reviews. Corey? At Corey R. Star. Two R's on the end. And Mikey? I am at Server Monkey for my Scottish listeners. Just <laughs> and, one R. <laughs> yeah, there's there's several R's in there. <laughs> make, sure you, make sure you roll it. When you're um, typing them, you roll them. <laughs> yes. Um, and we will be back uh, next week with a new episode. Corey and I, uh, for our new episode of uh, la, 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 Burke Reviews Movie Club this week, Corey has selected Phantasm from 1979, I believe. Um, and so neither of us have ever seen it. And uh, I am slightly apprehensive about diving into it because I am expecting it to be very gory, um, which I'm not opposed mm. to. But no, Mike? It, um, I, it's a class. I, mm. Yeah. And that's wow. it's my horror genre viewing is definitely meant uh, if, if you were to look at what I've seen it's predominantly mainstream horror um, and more or less the slasher horror from the 80s uh, with a few of the more modern stuff. But um, this is one that I, I've known about for a long time. Never saw Corey picked it. Uh, that's what our movie club episode will be this week. So tune in for that. Um, we have two new podcasts on BurkeReviews.com as well. I want to plug real quick the Rough Cut and um, Wildcard Pod. Uh, both are available on our website or you can subscribe to them separately um, and you know, please do that. And if you would take a moment of your busy schedule and go to iTunes and rate our podcast, give it the five stars, tell, you know, write a nice review. It really helps us to get new listeners. We appreciate everything that you've, uh, everyone who listens, we appreciate every single one of you. Corey and Mike, I appreciate your time. We'll be back Thank next you. week with another top five. Have a good week guys. Peace. Bye.